Hi folks, welcome back to the Lowland League Catch-Up. Uh, you might notice it's a different voice this week taking you through. Uh, it's myself, Derek, and as usual, I'm joined by Sean. How you doing, mate? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to the start of the new season, the pre-seasons. More or less boxed off, bar a few games. How are you doing yourself? Aye, good. Much the same. Um, it feels like we'll be waiting forever for the lead to come back, doesn't it? So thank God we're, we're almost there. But um, quick shout out to Chris. He's, uh, he's having a week off this week. The saddest thing they say is that he's just avoiding the predictions for the week one and letting us take the flak for them. But um, I will get him back next week. And when we're reviewing uh, the action of the first weekend of the Lowlands League, we'll, we'll get right into things again. But we're going to start this uh, this week's pod off by kind of rounding off what's been happening in the last seven days of the league itself. And we're going to start with something quite interesting, quite a big story. Edge Sport Academy or the club formerly known as Edgy Sport Academy, have had a name change approved by the SFA. So, as of now, we are now going to refer to them as the Caledonian Braves. So what do you make of that one, Sean? Do you know what? I think it's a it's a big change. I think uh, I was speaking to a few people since it's came out, uh, and a few people have mentioned that, that you know it sounds like a, a baseball name or a hockey team. Um, so it's definitely something that's going to take some getting used to. But I think it's inevitable way with any team when they go and and they make a, a name change, you know, we're always going to view them as Eddie Sport Academy. It's going to take a little while to to let the change settle in. It's it's definitely an interesting one. Um, it could blow up and be really big for them, you know, getting that you know Scottish tie in there. Likewise, it could backfire because it does have a wee bit of a, a hockey spin on it. What do you think? I think if there was ever a time to change a name, now is it because they've just got their new ground. Uh, as well, so it's basically they're kind of starting the club a new almost, aren't they? Like they've they've got their identity of being a Glasgow club. They're now in the area, um, with the the Alliance Park. I, I'm not, I can't pretend I'm a massive fan of the name. It seems a bit generic to me. However, we got used to Edge Sport Academy, and people didn't used to like that name, did they? So, no doubt, in a few years' time, we'll just be reeling off Caledonian Braves like. Like it's kind of no different to whatever we've ever known previously. No, absolutely, or you know whatever we decide to shorten it down to. But I totally agree. I've, I've to be honest, I feel like I've only just got used to Eddie Sport Academy, um, and now I've got a whole new name to to get used to. But I, I think you make a good point. I think it ties in really nicely with what they've done outside the you know all the signings that we've seen over the the preseason. Eddie Sport's probably been the most interesting when you take signings out of it um, over this this preseason because everything that they're doing to to just change the the whole ethos of what that club's about. It was an academy, it was an academy type squad. Um, whereas they're they're trying to change and and make their shell into a proper viable football team that can hopefully one day challenge to get into the SPFL. So it's very interesting times for. Um, the Caledonian Braves. <laughs> it's not quite reeling off the tongue just yet, is it? <laughs> not yet, no. Quick question. If they draw Inverness in a cup, does it count as a Cali Derby? Well, that's a good one, eh? Do you know what? I think that's one for Twitter. Do you know what? I think that's a Twitter poll that we've got to do because that is a very interesting question because <laughs> I think yeah, you're quite right. Well, send us your thoughts on and obviously for a wee bit of fun, if there was any club in the Lowland that you'd want to change their name, what would you change it to and why? That's a good one, I think, for a wee teaser for this week. But um, other than that, which is obviously a massive change for us, uh, we'll round off a couple of signings that we've seen come through as well. 
um, mainly loan moves this week, and we've started seeing, as we've kind of predicted and alluded to the three of us, uh, the loanees from kind of higher up the, the ladder coming into Lowland League clubs now. So Dan Bauer signed from Hearts on to Bonnie Rig, Rose for, I believe it's a whole season that he's meant to be there. And from the other side of the capital, Hibs have sent a couple of their young boys, uh, Callum Yeats and Jack Hodge, down to civil service strollers. So, yeah, I, I mentioned there, Sean, we've kind of alluded to this being likely to happen. Now that it's starting, what do you think? I think it's I think it's brilliant. It adds a little twist to the Holland League because not only is it good for for your teams in the Holland League, your civils and whatnot in Bonnie Rig to be able to pick up these guys who have got a bit of experience playing in a a bigger club, albeit usually at a lower level, like a youth team level. Um but it's also really good for Scottish football when you think about higher up. So your hearts and your hips that they can send their players down to play in a competitive league such as the Lowland League. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the development leagues that are out there, but this is a, a proper league where you know the teams are properly invested in and trying to get promoted and to win the league and have the same you know sort of ambitions that your Hearts and Hibs will have at the other end of the scale. So I think it's a brilliant opportunity for for all involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can. We've talked about it plenty before, but I. I think it goes to show that clubs are now getting trusted to assist in the development of these boys. And we've seen guys playing in the league last year that have gone on to bigger and better things. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, mate. But uh, other than kind of signings and so on, something else that's caught our eye, and no doubt if you've seen it, you'll have been kind of piqued your interest as well, uh, is from East Stirlingshire. They've launched Shire TV, which essentially is another method of kind of interacting with the fans and giving more information and updates uh, to the fans. But one of the things they're doing, and they did just at the weekend there, is actually streaming some live games, which is a huge step forward, especially at this level of football. Um, and obviously, want to commend them for that, just thinking outside the box, different things that you can bring in to enhance the, the club and social media and so on. Um, and I know you were quite a big fan, eh, Sean, for what we were saying earlier on. Oh, absolutely. I think... Um there's nothing nothing worse than when I'm trying to sort out my holidays and I'm trying to figure out when I can go away that I'm not going to miss any good football games. Nothing worse. So <laughs> I think it's a brilliant initiative and, and I know some other clubs have got similar things going on um, because the Shire TV is more than just obviously the, the live games. They had a really interesting um, interview on there with the Shire chaplain and if, if it's going to encourage a bit more of that, then I'm all for it. Um, obviously, for yourself, me and obviously Chris, you know, the fact that the highlights are going to be up there is a lot more content for us to, to get a hold of and for the fans to get a hold of is going to make certainly our jobs easier as well, which is always a, a bonus. But no, I really, I like that live TV twi- uh, twist on there um, and the fact that I can, you know, maybe steal an hour when I'm on holiday to catch a bit of football, even though I'm, I'm away, not football in general, but some lowland league football. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, I'd be remiss as not to kind of say the likes of Kelty and I almost said Edgesport again, Caledonian Braves um, have kind of over the last season or so been putting really good content out there, YouTube wise. And um, with, again, I almost said Edgesport, uh, with uh, Caledonian putting their, their kind of shareholders, like private content through there, if you buy the shares, you get to 
interact with the players more and so on. So it's all good, absolutely, for this, for, um, for the league side of things and anything that makes our jobs easier, we're always going to be thankful for, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> um, one last wee shout-out before we get into what you've been waiting for, um, match action and the season preview for, well, I say season preview, week one preview. Uh, the Lowland and East of Scotland Development League fixtures have now been announced as well, just in case you're not aware, folks. So if you fancy going to see some under-20s action and the league last year was outstanding in terms of quality and a lot of the young boys are now beginning to get their breaks with different clubs as well you can go onto the website slfl.co.uk and check out the the fixtures for the young lads as well and I'm sure any club be it Lowland East of Scotland that are in there I believe there's also a couple of South of Scotland teams possibly in there as well this year Um, but they'll appreciate your support if you're going along to give the the young lads uh, a kind of a watchful eye as well so Right, let's get into things, shall we? Uh, we will start off with the Betfred Cup, where we've had our two reps. We've had East Kilbride and Berwick Rangers um, competing away. And at the weekend, there was a, let's just say, a contrast of emotions uh, for the two of them. So do you want to start us off, Sean? Um, will we start with the good news story first with East Kilbride? I think that's a good way to go. East Kilbride obviously welcomed... Uh, St Mirren along to to K Park. Um, obviously, this is this was one of their big games. This is their big Betfred game, and it didn't disappoint in any way. Um, I've saw some news articles calling it East Kilbride's, you know, best results in their in their short history, and and I think it's hard to argue with. Um, the first chance of the game went to the home team, and it was Sean Winter that fired wide after. Paul McGinn's clearance came off Jack Baird and fell into the midfielder's path. Um, so no surprise there to see Sean Winter getting on getting on it nice and early. To be honest, the majority of the first half did involve St Mirren pushing up. It was uh, East Kilbride's Martin and Goals who basically kept the, the visiting side at bay for much of it. Sean Winter was involved again around about the 36 minute mark um, where he was able to get ahead of the defender and go from close range but their keeper was equal to it and the referee did end up blowing for a foul but again a bit of a bit promising play there from East Kilbride. Just before the break St Mirren should have taken the uh, the lead as um, Stephen McGinn's ball went over the top to find Danny Mullen who was one on one with Alan Martin but the goalkeeper again on top form saved the initial attempt before making another fine block to deny the follow-up. In the second half, it was an early chance again from Saints, but the header was gathered by Alan Martin again, and soon after it was St Mirren on the attack again, and a shot from range, but went straight at the goalie again. couple of worrying tweets that came out from St Mirren. The home side were forced into a change around the 55 minutes. Sean Winter came off injured and was replaced by Daniel Carmichael. And on the 64th minute, East Kilbride were again forced into a change as Ross Kavanagh was replaced by Rudy Payton. But the game finished, or the 90 minutes finished, 0-0 and went to, to penalties. And a Carmichael, Reed, Kavanagh, BJ Cole, Cairns and Brownlee penalties 
were able to, to secure the win for East Kilbride, which is a fantastic result. Cinnamon did miss for East Kilbride, and there was a miss for St Mirren as well, which meant it did go to a deadlock, and uh, Cody Cook for St Mirren took his first penalty but had to retake it, and Alan Martin saved the retake to give the win to East Kilbride, who stole the, the bonus point. I think they call it in the, the Betfred Cup. Yeah, that's right. To steal a point. Um, so, a really good result for East Kilbride against a, you know, a Scottish Premier League team. It's, it's great coverage for the league and an excellent result for Stuart Malcolm and these guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I was listening to Malks on the radio being interviewed because um, I was, uh, we'll get on to it later on, but I was down at the BSC game. Um and it was interesting the way he was pitching it because he kept referring to the fact that you've got to be kind of careful about it. It's still pre-season. So his mentality was it's it's still early doors. Teams are still getting ready. He wasn't getting carried away, put it that way. Um, and it felt very much like he was trying to put dampeners on any kind of wild expectations being raised um, as in the wake of this because... Just the circumstances there that obviously St Mirren have got a new manager, it's just in the door and all that kind of thing. But regardless of that, you've got to say it's an unbelievable result for Kilby. As you say, it's a Premier League team, a Premiership team that have came along. Kilby have met them um, head on, they've defended well. Alan Martin's man in a match, he's had a stormery of game and goals. So he obviously looks like a cracking signing. And ultimately they've deserved it because... Like, well, St Mirren couldn't break them down, and that's the name of the game. As Jim Gooden said after it, you, that's what they've got to do as a bigger team. They've got to go there and make the play and score the goals, and they couldn't do that. So, you've got to give a shout out to the whole team, and obviously Malks as well. Brilliant, brilliant result. And again, it helps raise the, the profile of the league itself, so they've represented us really well. We said that we were going to get into a contrast here. And this is where you'll realise why, because our other representatives, new Lowland boys, Berwick Rangers, were away to Stranraer, uh, and it didn't go quite so well um, for them. So I'll run you through this one quickly. Um, basically, it was a decent start from all accounts, from what we saw, but um, on 20 minutes, it was 1-0. Um, Stranraer managed to get their noses in front. From there... Again, it kept kind of ticking over. Um, like Berwick were pretty much sitting in and limiting chances, similar to what Kilby initially were doing with uh, St Mirren. But the floodgates began to open after Stranraer got a second goal in the 37th minute. Um, volley from Jordan Allen, who is a name that will be familiar to many of you. Um, because straight after that, 41 minutes, it was 3-0. Um, Colin Strike in the top corner from... Connor McManus, and then just before half time, it was 4 0, and it was a penalty this time. So it was um, Hilton was clean through and goal, get taken down from behind. Mark Shure slotted that away, and basically Berwick went out of nowhere from 1 0 to 4 0 at half time, and there's no going back from there against a team um, kind of higher up in the levels like Sonorar. But it, it, it kind of got Worse for there, it sounded like the heads went down, in all honesty. Just after the hour mark, uh, Stranraer put another one in, uh, free kick, and it was six on the 76th minute with Mark Stewart again with another penalty after, um, again, a defender brought down an on-rushing striker in the box. 
and thankfully at that point for the Wee Rangers, Stranraer actually went down to 10 men because of injuries. So that gave him a wee bit of respite and they actually had a chance to get a consolation right at the death but Lewis Barr skewed a shot wide um, when he, he basically had the ball presented to him um, for a defensive lap. So not an ideal result for Berwick, let's be honest. Um, but again, you need to see it on context, I guess. That the same way Malks at East Kilbride saw it as essentially a pre-season game and a chance to get ready for the league campaign, the focus. It's not ideal preparation for Berwick, but that's the way they've got to see it as well. I'm sure you'd agree, Sean. No, absolutely. It's um, it's a chance for for Ian and the guys to get used to the team a little bit. But you know, it's a couple of games that you know nobody was expecting Berwick to win. Um, but you you know, it's a bit a bit of a concern the amount of goals that they've conceded and I suppose the lack of goals that they've been able to put away. Uh, you know, it's totally understandable that they're, they're at this level, and I totally agree. It's it's preseason. Essentially, I know it's a competitive game, but it's still pre-season. Berwick have had a few issues where, you know, they openly came out and said they didn't agree with the fact, or certainly Ian did, that they didn't agree with the, the trialist rule. It's obviously caused them a little bit of bother, but at the same time, it's, you know, over the, the two two games they played in the Betfred Cup, that's 13 goals conceded and zero goals scored. It's, it's a bit of concern and they've got a tough couple of matches coming up as well. I think they've got... Falkirk and Livingston um, coming up, so it's a, it's a bit worrying. But I'm definitely I'm going to reserve judgment until we see a couple of Lowland League fixtures, you know, in the bag. Either way, you know, I'm going to reserve judgment to then to see how how I feel about about this Berwick side. Just one thing that I'm curious to hear what you think about that was mentioned on the radio yesterday that that's now I believe 46 goals have conceded since he last scored. Do you think that's going to be an issue mentally for the squad? I think so, it's not, I mean the, your pre-season is a time where you essentially want to, to be scoring goals a bit for fun to give yourself that mental edge heading into the season and that's by all means, even when they start knocking in that first goal, that's still going to be playing in, in their mind um, and I think every one of the players in the team will be try, they'll be aware of that, perhaps not the exact number but you know they're going to be trying to put that to the back of their mind, and that's not something any player wants to be doing. You don't want to have to worry about that kind of thing. But yeah, at the moment, it's definitely a concerning figure. So not a fact that you really want to be associated with when you're heading into a league that's below the league you were playing in last season, and a league that's it's exceptionally competitive. Yeah, it's a it's a worry. It's a bit of a worry, and and I'm crossing my fingers and my toes for for Berwick heading into this season that that it is just, you know, pre-season and playing against teams of a higher calibre and when they get into the Lowland League that that they'll be able to to get some goals, essentially. The other unwanted start they've got just now is it's now over 700 minutes in a competitive game since they last scored. So I suspect the sooner they get that monkey off the back, the better for them getting getting moving on and getting started anew, started afresh. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, the cup action. Uh, the competitive cup action at the weekend. Uh, we also had a couple of, of friendlies um, that we attended as well. So um, I made a wee trip to Dunbar um, to see Dunbar United against uh, BSC, the last warm-up game before the, the real thing starts, essentially. And I won't take too much time up because it was a pretty competitive game, but ended 0-0. So not for lack of goal-mouth action, there was a couple of 
good chances for either side. Ultimately, I think BSC had the better chances, but you could tell there's a wee bit of rustiness still getting worked out as uh, as we approach week one. Um, Tamor had a pretty decent game. You would never have known Martin Green was in Mexico sipping the calories a week ago because he, he was putting himself about and doing his usual thing. Um, he wasn't too happy to come off it, didn't they seem either? But uh, I, ultimately, Swifty only had 13 fit bodies. Um to to field, so it was a backup defensive pain in the middle. Um, also in the midfield, there's a few guys that wouldn't be automatic starters in there. Um, but keep an eye out for Jamie Hamilton is the one thing I'd take away. Um, he looked very, very promising. And it's clear that Stephen quite likes him as well, so I'd expect to see him quite a bit going forward. But yeah, um, I'd actually really enjoyed Dunbar's ground as well. It's a crack ground, good people. They're on the club as well. Um and I managed to meet Ali finally as well. So shout out to them for what's the treating us great when we were down there. And just um I think it's one of those things where you could see certain moves getting put together that the guys are almost ready. They're almost match fit and match sharp and ready to go. But they definitely needed that run out. And I suspect you might get a slightly different story for our next game we're going to cover because um, it certainly wasn't a goalless draw. Yeah, just on the, the BSC Dunbar, it's, yeah, it's good that for them to get a wee run out there because, as we're going to touch on later on, they've got an absolute belter of a week, week one fixture um, that they've got to go into. How did, how did Dunbar United look? Because I know we don't cover the East of Scotland Premier Division, but you know these are the teams that could... And probably one day will essentially join the the Lowland League through promotion. Um, Dun- Dunbar United are one of the teams that are going to be playing in there with the likes of um, Camelin and Hillebeath, Linlithgow, Genefield Swifts. Like it's a cracking league. How did Dunbar look? Do you know they looked really solid? Uh, I thought um, there was one or two kind of standout players. Fraser Neve also, who's uh, taking the step down from East Sterling, should have joined them this year. I, I don't know if I'd really call it a step down now either. Going down for the Lowland Teresa Scotland Premier isn't that big a jump, let's be honest, uh, with the quality of the teams that are in there. But they 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 kind of know their, their way of playing. You can tell they've been coached up really well. They actually had a couple of really decent chances to get a goal as well. One in particular right at the death where it was easier to miss and score and unfortunately the boy missed the ball. <laughs> it was one of those um, kind of low crosses and he just couldn't quite get the final touch on it. Um, they also managed to test Ryan Marshall in the first half with a cracking shot that Marsh actually made a brilliant save from. Um, so yeah, I'd expect him to do quite well next year, just on that um, evidence of uh, of what I saw yesterday. Um, actually, alluded to I was at another game that had a couple more goals in the, the BSC Dunbar game and it was Kelly Hearts against Beef Juniors. So I've been quite fortunate that I've managed to catch um I think I think I've seen about seven or eight preseason games in all bar one of Kelly's preseason games. And this game was one that for me what I kinda said earlier on uh, when we were talking about Berwick, the preseason's when you want to see your teams in the Old League scoring goals and giving themselves a bit of momentum. It'd been lacking a little bit for Kelly up until till this game. But Kelly were able to find the the back in it several times, and the, I think they've set themselves up very well against, by no means 
they were not an easy opposition and the highlights are online you can have a look they did have their their chances but I think they've set themselves up very well for the start of the season so like I say I was at this game I was there with Chris and we both managed to take the game in early on it was actually Beath that had one of the the first chances of the match um, and the ball went straight across the goal line Uh, Linton was able to clear it and there was no Beath player there to, to get on the end of it Ross Philp had another fantastic game and in this one he managed to make a great run into the box and he was pulled down um, which led to a penalty in Kelly's first game. Keeper went to the left and Linton was able to put it into the bottom right hand corner to make it 1-0. Shortly after that there was a, a really good run from Gary Chen. He'd made the switch to right back this week. Apparently he'd been there last week as well and I just got myself a bit muddled up. Uh, <laughs> he obviously gave me a few tips online about on, on Twitter about how to differentiate between him and Danny Ash, which really helped me in this game. <laughs> but yeah, he made a, a really good run, as he always does, and he was able to cross the, the ball in. It did hit the hand of the beef defender in the box, but no penalty was given. Uh, Ross Philp was again involved in another goal for the second he had a, another excellent run um, into the box before cutting the ball across the goal to a pretty wide open Chris Dodds who was able to knock it in from close range um, that made up his third pre-season goal as well, um, he missed the first and possibly the second games of pre-season as well, I think he was on holiday um, so he's managed to knock in a few goals which across the, the pre-season which is fantastic to see Beath did manage to pull one back shortly after and it was a, a really good run by the number 8, Fries, who basically got the better in Murray and Scott Linton by just sheer pace. He managed to get through, but then he was able to keep his composure and slot the ball past a very good Ben McKenzie to make it 2-1. Ross Philp was at it again and with some great one-twos with Riley McCarty and Dodds and he had an excellent shot from at least 20 yards out that was knocked out for a... saved by the keeper and knocked out for a corner to keep it 2-1. Uh, went in at half-time at 2-1. I actually missed the start of the second half because I got distracted by a pint and Chris talking basically, I'm going to blame him since he's not here to defend his sale. <laughs> um, but when I went back out, unbeknown to me, it was actually 3-1. Thankfully, Kelly Hearts were quick to put the, the highlights up, so I was able to catch them before we've recorded this pod on Sunday afternoon. But it was Linton who had a long cross into the box and he was able to meet the head of Nathan Austin, who did a really good job in making the decision to, to head the ball down to Hobby as opposed to going for goal, um, and Hubby was able to slot it in for close range to make it 3-1. Um, shortly after that, it was Nathan Austin who was pulled down about 10 yards outside the box, um, and if you haven't already checked out the highlights, I certainly think this is a game to go and check out. It was um, Linton who converted a really good free kick, um, went well over the wall and into the, the right-hand corner of the, the net to make it 4-1. Beef had the, the next chance of the game. They were, or the next big chance, shall we say, they were awarded a free kick just outside the box, but the resulting free kick went straight into the wall. And a bit of sloppy defending after that by Beef allowed Nathan Austin to turn on the ball and get past two Beef defenders a bit too easily, and he was able to slot it past the keeper to make it 
Kelty's sixth goal came from a, another set piece. So th- three of their six goals so far came from set pieces. Ross Much making a, a quick turn into the centre of the park was taken down and the resulting free kick, it was taken really quickly and it was Riley who thundered a shot from about 25 yards out. To put it into perspective, Mark McCabe who does the the highlights for Kelly didn't actually catch the goal. Um, you know, he, he caught the shot but not the goal. Um, because it was just a really quick free kick, really quick shot, um, and that made it six one. And then the the final goal, it was a a fantastic bit of play, just team play from from Kelly, and it was Gary Chen still playing on the right that put Richie through, um, and a bit of the old guard coming together. Richie with a neat wee crossover to well Kelly's all time top goal scorer. Um, Cargy who headed it into the back of the net to make it 7-1 and that's how, how the game finished Do you know what Kelly were a very very strong uh, side on the day but you know you could see the Beath team you know they're a talented team they want a you know the 7-1 result it was respective of how good Kelly were but it wasn't really respective of how you know Beath played because they played a very, they played a very good game if you, you go back and you look at the highlights they had their chances but Ben McKenzie made some really good saves, um, and at the back there wasn't a whole lot that, you know, they, they lost seven goals, so it's hard to totally defend it. But they they had some they had some good play at the back, and it could easily be more than seven. And there was a few set pieces in there that Kelty were able to to convert, which can make a huge difference in the game. So no, it was a, a really good game to be on. I think it's put Kelty in a really good position heading into week one. Other than the fact that this is not going to help Gary Chen if he's playing right back with Alan Hutton comparisons. <laughs> um, just kind of quick question. See, obviously the scoreline's eye-opening thing and you've explained it through that that didn't necessarily fully kind of explain the whole story of the game. Do you think that this squad that Kelty have got are basically kind of ready to go and they're going to dish out these kind of results in the league? I think they, that's that's exactly what I say. I was saying at the beginning there. I was a bit concerned watching the first few pre-season games where um, they did have a couple of games where they put out very strong sides, but they were they need to be able to score goals. That's what wins games. It doesn't matter how good you play on the you know on the the pitch. You need to be able to put goals into the back of the net and not concede goals. Um, and you know. Kelly did just that and they didn't have Easton he wasn't playing throughout the whole game so they had a bit of strength there Ross Much didn't come on until late on in the the second half and I've already said how highly I I rate him even you know uh, Ross Jardine came on as well and he he played a blinder towards the end of the game didn't make any mistakes he was strong Um, one small criticism I did notice was uh, the keeper Ben McKenzie he needs to be louder and I think if he's not, that could that could hinder them a little bit because you want your keeper to be vocal, and he was he was a bit too quiet. Uh, you've got Murray there; that's always going to be the the voice at the back, but you want to be able to hear your your keeper. But overall, I think you know Kelly showed what what they can do. It's one game, um, one game where you know everything clicked. They now need to show that they can do this, you know, on a week to week basis. Um, I think just because they. 
just because they won 7-1 or if you look in contrast just because BSC and Dunbar finished 0-0 I don't think it's going to be necessarily reflective of how easy or difficult the season's going to be Gotcha, gotcha and nevertheless though you can't help but be impressed by the fact that let's be honest Beath are no mugs Beath are a very very decent West Super League team in the juniors so that that 7-1 result is just a, a proper eye-opener I think not just myself but I think pretty much every team in the league will I take note of that as um, a kind of the final build-up result to the, the campaign getting started you know it, it's a, it was a bit of a statement from, from Kelly by all means and yeah Beef are no by no means they're not a, they're not a poor team no absolutely not absolutely not right um, I should also say regardless of any tweets that a certain absent podcaster <laughs> might have put out there just as a slight wind up uh, <laughs> right so um we promised you last week that we would run through the new managers in the league as well and kind of talk about our, well, essentially our predictions about how they'll do. So we'll, uh, we'll do that just now before we get into the previews for the first week of the season. And I think we'll start off, we touched on Berwick earlier on and obviously how they need to kind of get, get going quickly, get the monkey off the back. Both... Well, Berwick are at home to Bonnie Rigros in the first week of the season. Both of which have got new managers in place or managers that are new to the league. So in Berwick's case, it's Ian Little who's taken over this summer. Robbie Horn for Bonnie Rigros has never actually been in a Lones League management role. Um, he has managed above and below, but not in this league itself. So if we start off with, with Robbie, ironically enough, Robbie actually was at Berwick. If you if you remember um, going back a wee bit, and it didn't quite work for him, but then once he left, things went properly downhill from there. Um, he he'd done a cracking job with Bonnie Rigros before, and he's gone back and brought the good times back again. Um, it was him that was in charge when they got their brilliant cup run and ended up playing at Tynecastle against Hibs as well. Um, he he knows that squad implicitly, and he knows exactly what they want to achieve and the way they want to play football. Personally, I think that he is all set for success in this league with Bonnerig. And I would be very surprised if Rose don't finish top half this season, despite the fact that there's a fair amount of investment going on and uh, clubs kind of that you'd expect to be right up there challenging. Um, how about yourself, Sean? Hey, no, I think I definitely agree. He, um, he obviously had a bit of experience managing Vale Leathen. Um, years ago as well, back, you know, 2010-2011, so he's got a, a bit of experience with some of the teams, you know, a very, it'll be a very different team now, no doubt, but he's got he's got a fair bit of experience, um, both playing and, and managing, and he's got probably one of the most important things, he's got, you know, the, the trust of his players, and, you know, it's some momentum coming from what they did last season, I think he's, he's primed to have a really good good year despite how competitive the Wollong League is going to be definitely definitely um, so I think we're both in agreement on that one we'll obviously get Chris's thoughts next weekend and force him to make a, a prediction I think but um, after that um, let's go to Gretna uh, you get Chris Comfrey uh, latterly of East Kilbride taking over in his first managerial gig uh, down at the uh, down at the border side how do you see that playing out? Hey, I think it's definitely a tough gig and especially for, you know, somebody who is just, you know, he hasn't got managerial experience and he's taken that step straight up into 
you know the main man essentially. He's, he's making that step up. I think he's got a, definitely got a tough gig ahead of himself. Gretna are a team that do you know what they they've got the ability to to go out and they did some impressive things last season. You see if he can build on that this season, and I suppose share with the players a bit of his own you know personal experience as a, a very good player um, with you know tons and tons of experience. If he can share that with some of his guys and get the right sort of atmosphere in the dressing room, get them, you know, playing the right way. I think he could have a successful season, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as it will be for for Robbie Horn at um, Bonnie Leg. I think it's going to be challenging, and it always will with any of these Borders teams. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, and obviously, the fact that Gretna tend to kind of have quite a bit of squad upheaval every year as well, and this year's been no different. Um, there's been a, essentially a brand new squad brought in with a few boys hanging around so it'll be interesting to see how they gel together and the new faces including Odin Damar and how they well, adjust to the league itself as well and not just the gaffer but um, right we will need to go through Ian Latone Berwick I think and this one this is quite a tough one because for the improvement he brought to Whitehill Welfare last year they were still a shadow of the side that had been in previous seasons. And like we we said that they were they basically went for losing games four and five now to losing one or two now under Ian's tutelage. But they still weren't picking up once. They had the occasional draw here and there, but ultimately they were still a losing side. Um despite his best efforts. And I know Ian's had success with Berwick in the past. Um so going back there he knows the club, he knows how it runs, he knows the surroundings. He's had to cobble together a squad at last minute and that's where this trialist rule's been a bit of a hindrance to them in the Betfred Cup. And the results are looking a wee bit scary at this point, I'd say, um, if you're a, a fan of the the wee Rangers. I am a quite pessimistic on Berwick's chances this season now. Um... I'm still reserving judgment fully, but the more time goes on, the more I think it'll be bottom half of this league. Um, and it'll be very much a year of getting set in a new well, a new reality, a new league, um, where you don't expect them to be able to bounce back up, I wouldn't say. Um, they'll need to basically go through what Shire have gone through the last couple of years, in my opinion. Um, the more time goes on, that they'll get a wee bit of a fright, they'll get a couple of good wins, they'll get a bit of good feeling back for that, for the fans that were used to losing every game last year. But I don't think they're going to be pushing for anything higher than mid-table. What do you reckon? Uh, no, I'd, I'd agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I think I think Ian is probably out of you know, the, the five managers we're going to go over. I think he's possibly got the, the toughest gig of anybody because the expectation on this club has been the club that's just gone down, I think is potentially going to be too high. Because there is that expectation that, you know, if a team gets relegated, not necessarily that they bounce back, but that, you know, if they're dropping down a league, you expect them to be competitive. And, you know, how hard a time that Berwick have had, I think that might be quite tricky to do in, in a very, very, you know, in, in a really good league. Um, he's also got the fact that he has got experience with Berwick. He knows the club and he knows the way they work. He's got experience in the Lowland League, albeit not the most successful, but he has got experience. So when you look at the likes, say, 
Chris Humphrey and you can say, you know, new to the league, new to being a manager, you know, that's going to be taken into consideration for Ian. He's he's got he's got a lot of experience, and they're gonna you know they've not put him in that position to, I don't believe anyway to rebuild the squad over the next five years like Shire have, and I suppose we'll just need to wait and see. I think he's been put in there because he's got that experience, and I don't really get the the feeling they want to to hang around the Lions League for too long. But they've got it's a very tough gig. It's a very tough gig to to get out of this league, um, and. He's a man that's going to be expected to to do something really special, I think, with Berwick. Yeah, that's um, it's certainly going to be an interesting one to see how the the season shapes up for them. We'll get an idea early on of where they're going to be. I think um, maybe after ten games we'll revisit it and kind of see how they've adjusted. But yeah, I, I certainly am on the pessimistic side of it, and it'll be interesting to see if that is the case. Whether Ian has given more time. Um, in charge to kind of right the ship and, and start building again but uh, yeah. next one up's pressure for a different reason I think so we're going to Gala Gala Fairy Dean Rovers Neil Hastings is stepping into a position where the previous incumbent in that role did I think all con- things considered a very very good job so what do you reckon on uh, Neil's prospect? I think it, perhaps he's got one of the you know, if it was awards kicking about, it's definitely the most unfair um, because he has taken over from somebody who was doing a, a really good job and he's taken over where they're going through a bit of a crisis and I don't think anybody could deny that. Um, just the amount of change that they've seen, they've had players that have left and it's not looked like it's been the most, um, you know, mutually separations between between sometimes people on the board sometimes the players and definitely when Dean Shanks went it didn't look like it was the most amicable um, of breakups and you know he's gone in there he's got he's got some experience but the, you know this is a side that's got better every season and the you know the fans aren't going to be happy about them moving backwards um, so he's got he's got a big job uh, for, for the year ahead but this is still Gala, and Gala are still a team that, you know, we're just used to them surprising us and and doing better than we expect them to do. So, I don't think uh, I don't think Neil's the wrong person for the job by any means. I think he'll do a really good job, but he's got some big shoes to fill. Definitely, and it's interesting to see Dean's now joined East Kilbride coaching staff as well, hasn't he? So, we'll see how that impacts uh, Kelby, um, because he is. Known and he's got a reputation as being a cracking uh, coach in the training field as well. But uh, right, last one up, and it's Dalbeaty Star to round things off. Richie Maxwell stepping in where Dan Kerr um, has left left the building, and it was a it was an interesting season for Star last year. They had a a bit of a rocky road, and then just as things were coming to a conclusion, they somehow. Out of nowhere, found a great run of form against, let's be honest, some of the big hitters in the league. Um, and they were picking up wins left, right, and centre and doing some really, really impressive things as the campaign came to a close. So, in terms of Arichi, what what would be seen as success for Dalbeaty this year, do you think? I think it's just it's improvement, isn't it? And I don't know a great deal. Richie Maxwell's one of the guys that I'm really looking forward to seeing how it unfolds this season because I don't know a great deal about him. However, 
you know, Dalbiti, there's no getting away from the fact that they were right at the foot of the table. And if it wasn't for the way that Whitehill performed, they could have very well been playing in that very tough um, East of Scotland Premier Division uh, this season. So, do you know what I think? He's got. I think he's got an okay job. Um, Dalbiti are a decent side that finished strong at the end of last season, and I think they they look like they're going to move forward. There's no doubt that he's going to have played a, a significant part building the squad over the preseason, and they've done a fantastic job with that. I think we've we we always want to be cautious when we're saying about teams that are going to drop down and teams that are going to get better. Um, as far as you know voicing our opinions on, on this podcast. We like to be fair across the board, but I think one thing we've... And, and you know what? We always have contradicting opinions as well. Um, you know, some of these other teams and managers that we've already discussed, we've had a wee bit of contradiction on. But um, I think one thing we've all been united with is the fact that Dalbiti have had a brilliant pre-season and they've got so much stronger than last season and the fact that they finished so strong. I think... I think he's he's set himself up, you know, it's on him now, him and his players, but he's set himself up to certainly have a, a good first season as uh, first full season as manager of Dalbiti. They look like they're gonna be an improved side for this season. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. Um that squad certainly looks like the best squad I've seen Dalbiti have um at the start of our Lowland League season. And I don't actually kinda know much about Richie himself. We'll no doubt learn more as the as the weeks go by, but purely based on the squad that he's been able to build up, you've got to be impressed with the early work. I think um, the proof will be in the pudding when it comes to league results, right enough. But yeah, so that kind of rounds off the five new gaffers in a league. Who do you think is going to see the most success though? Out of those five, we've sort of discussed um, how we. We think each of them are going to fare on an individual basis, and it's maybe a bit unfair of me to pit them all against each other. But <laughs> but who who do you think is going to do you know really shine this season, or shine the most? All five might shine. If you're asking me which of those clubs is going to finish highest in the league, I'll say Bonnie Rigros and Robbie Horn. Whether it's seen as success or not is a different matter, I think, because Rose probably expect to be top half of this table. Uh, if not higher. So if if Bonnie Rigg were say to finish fifth, and Dalby were to finish sixth, do you think it'd be more successful for Robbie Horn or Richie Maxwell? Oh, Richie Maxwell, absolutely. If um if Dalbiti get a mid-table to top half finish, that will just be an unbelievable job he's done. Um, if, if you're talking relative terms, I think the big X factor is Chris Humphrey at Gretna because. He could realistically be anywhere between bottom of the league and top half, um, because there's been so much changing upheaval there, and he's got—I know it's his first managerial gig, but he's got all sorts of experience in there. He's got contacts in Motherwell and so on, and throughout the world of football, that will no doubt give him a hand and giving him advice. I think if you're looking for an X factor or somebody that could under the radar go and do brilliant things, Chris Humphrey would be the one. But, yeah, overall, I'm going to stick with Robbie Horn and say he's the most likely to achieve success this year, I think. What about you? You're not getting out of this. <laughs> I, I think I kind of touched on it there. I think um, I think Richie Maxwell's the one that's most primed. Um, do you know, I know Bonnie Rigg are the new boys to the league, but I think the expectation's really high. Mm-hmm. I don't think the expectation 
it's really it's there as much with Dalbiti. I think they're still a team that the goal is to remain in the league, but I think they're actually it's a tough place to go, Dalbiti. And I think people often underestimate how how tough a place Islecroft is to to go. And they're a team that that showed that they can travel well. Um, and like I say, they've got they've got stronger. Um, there, it's it's it will all come down, I think, to to how Richie Maxwell can get those guys gelling and you know picking up three points as opposed to you know they had a lot of draws last season in games that they probably should have won. If they can win those games and pull off a few upsets like they did last season, I think he'll be a key component in making that happen. Seems daft to say because he's the manager, but. Um, I think he's primed to to really be the one that that I suppose shines this season. But I totally agree with what you're saying about all the other guys. Yeah, I think you made a fair point there, to be honest. So, well, let's get into week one, shall we? And do the build-up. Now, just before we get to the weekend fixtures, bear in mind, as this is released on Tuesday night, there are a couple more Betfred Cup games. Uh, Edinburgh City are playing host Tisco Bride. In a rematch of the game just a few weeks ago, the City Cup final that was delayed from uh, the previous year that Edinburgh City ultimately won. Uh, this time it's Betfred Cup duty and it'll be interesting to see how that one goes at Ainsley Park. Um, how do you see that one fading out? That's one I'm really looking forward to. Edinburgh City got a lot stronger last season, did really well in League 2 but you know they're two sides with a little bit of history which a lot of the Lowland League sides, when they go into these competitions, there isn't much history because... There is that cut-off between the SPFL and the Scottish Lowland League. Uh, but these teams have a wee bit of history, and I think it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, it's only going to be three days removed from, well, you know, the 0-0 and then win on penalties against St. Man. I think East Cobride will they'll be, they'll be really going for this one. Um, absolutely. In Edinburgh City, they did similar against St. Man. Um, I think it was a, a penalty that St Mirren got towards the end of the the game that, that secured the win for St Mirren in that game. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've both got something to play for in the, the Betfred. And, yeah, I'd, I don't think East Kilbride are going to go in there um, with any less sort of gusto than they did against St Mirren because there's a wee bit of history there. Yeah, both teams coming off a really good results at the weekend and the cup against higher league opposition. So it'll be a, one that I'll be keeping my eye on, certainly. Um, and the other side of the coin, Berwick Rangers coming off of two really tough results. It doesn't get any easier. They're home at Falkirk on Tuesday night. And I suspect Ian will just be wanting to keep the score down in that one. Yeah, I think I probably agree with you. I think Falkirk are a bit similar to, to St Mirnes, you know, to where they are as a club. St Mirren did manage to, to, manage to stay in the, the Premier League, whereas Falkirk got uh, relegated at the end of last season but yeah Falkirk were a team that really struggled and do you know what it's hard to say because right now it's hard to see Berwick pulling anything off but they're they're going against that they're going through a bit of turmoil themselves but so are Falkirk so yeah I'd, I'd agree though I think you know if they can go into that game and it doesn't end up being more than you know 2 or 3 now and if they can maybe you know like you say get that monkey off the back score a goal I think that'll be a win for them and a step in the right direction so a very tough game though for a team that's really you didn't want to see them getting kicked while they're already down do you know what I mean yeah absolutely absolutely and then we can fast forward to Saturday the 27th 
um, coming weekend where we have the first proper Lowlands League fixtures in a campaign. Bear in mind, not every single side's playing though because of the Betfred Cup. Um, in the in the Betfred at the weekend, you've got East Kilbride travelling to face Dunfermline in what looks like a pretty tough game for them. Um, but who knows? And Livingston playing host to Berwick um, in the, the flip side game. So, any quick thoughts on those two games? I just, I think it's going to be, for, for East Kilbride, it's going to be a game that they're probably relishing, um, especially if we can do something against Edinburgh City. Um, Dunfermline, that was a really uh, a big upset for them to, to lose to Edinburgh City. So, you know, they're going to be looking to bounce back and they've they've been really good towards the end of last season and um, in pre-season minus the Edinburgh City game. So, you know, I think that could actually be a really good game. Um, and then... I suppose it's exactly the same as you know the Falkirk one for Berwick Rangers. They're going up against a very good Livingston side, um, and do you know what? Again, if if they can knock in a goal or two again, and you know not concede too many, it'll be a win for them. And I think that's what they've got to look to do. Absolutely, absolutely. But while those two are flying the flag in the, the League Cup, we get down to business, and we'll start off with the. Official catch-up game of the week, I think. BSC Glasgow hosting East Stirlingshire. Right off the bat, a massive game. And obviously I, I'm, I've i slightly got divided loyalties here, so I'll allow you to get it started here, Sean. We chose this as the game of the week because I think there's so many stories. BSC had one of their strongest ever seasons again last year. Um, they're a team that always surprise, but they're going into... Well, what they seem to do every season, they're going into another year where the league looks stronger than the year before. And BSC are not they're not the same big spenders that you see across the rest of the league. They're they're a very innovative sort of team. They try to do things a bit differently. We've seen that with their season tickets, we've seen it with their player sponsorship, and we've just seen it with the way that they manage the team, with the the way that they can bring players in. They just they handle their affairs a little bit differently and they're a team that you just can't write off for next season and they're playing at home and they're going against a Shire team that have got a lot of ambition for next season but Shire are travelling so you know there's that edge to the game that do you know what this could go either way and I wouldn't expect it to be another nil-nil for BSC I think there's going to be goals in this one yeah I'd, I'd be very surprised if there weren't goals um, as most of you listening will know I am a BSC fan so I'm not going to make any rash predictions on it I do think it's going to be one of the toughest opening games that anyone could have seen for both sides because the work Shire have done in the close season has been fantastic in terms of squad building um, I've seen both sides in pre-season, both were impressive in different ways I'm going to sit on the fence and say a draw I think so moving on from there uh, we'll go to let's go to Bonnerig Bonnerig Rose playing host to Vale Leathen. And earlier on we said Berwick's first game will be against uh, Rose, but Rose actually get their campaign started at home against Vale. And that's shaping up to be quite an interesting one with, uh, obviously, kind of Rose have been just latterly adding to the squad. Uh, vale have built arguably their strongest squad in a few years under Chris Anderson as well. So what do you think about that one? 
I think it's um, I think it's do you know what it's going to be the same as every game it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see what these two can produce however I'm pretty confident in saying I think Bonnie Rigg will, will edge this one the fact that they're playing at New Dundas Park is going to you know they're going to have a huge support for this game and that 12th man is, is massive for any team and I just think they'll leave and although they're a team I expect to move forward I just don't think they're going to quite be able to compete with Bonnie Rigg and this is a Bonnie Rigg team that I saw a couple of times last season and I saw them against like say East Allenshire and they're a very good team and they've only gone and got stronger so I see Bonnie Rigg getting the campaign started off the right way and picking up all three points here. Yeah I think I'd agree with that I see Rose is more likely to to pick the win up but hey we'll, we'll see how it goes Um We'll maybe take back the old Chris Anderson being with a backup keeper chat there as well, given that they've they've signed a second goalie in the time since. <laughs> but uh, right, um from there, let's go East Peffermill, where Edinburgh University are hosting the now newly christened Caledonian Braves. And if there's ever a time to play Edinburgh straight away before the new campaign can I really got started for them, it's really September time that they get their new squad built up, so is it a good time to face them if you're Caledonian? I think I think it is, yeah. Um however if you look you look back to some of the results that Edinburgh Uni picked up at the beginning of last season, they they were able to pick up some really good results, including a I think a one one draw against Kelty. And that was before the uni uh, classes all started up again. I think this Edu Sport team though they're a team that are really going to be gunning for it this season, and although they're playing away from home, I think they're going to. I think they'll edge the win. I think um, they're just as strong as the two sides. And although Edinburgh Uni have shown what they can do when when their team's not at full strength, I still think it's going to be too too tough a challenge for them, um, especially in that opening game. The fact that it's at East Pepper Mill will play some advantage because I think when the Braves play their first home game I think that's going to be massive for them I think it'll give them a massive push but I'd still give the, the edge to the Caledonian Braves Don't worry you'll get used to saying it eventually mate um, I think I think I agree with you there a lot of people are actually sleeping on the squad they've built up um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them being a dark horse this year um, now that I've had some proper chance to, to get into the teams and the squads and have looked at it and I would expect them to start off with a win there. If they've got any ambitions of doing anything this season, that's the kind of game they need to win, ultimately. But uh, down to the borders after that, we will go to Gretna 2008, hosting Civil Service Strollers, who I think were everyone's surprise package last year, and a really good news story um, in the league that kind of needed it um, after the, the way things started off. So... What do you think there? Chris Humphrey's first proper game in charge. Gary Jordan, one of the most experienced campaigners we've got at this level. How's that going to play out? I think that that's a big story there. It's going to be Chris Humphrey's first game in charge. Um, it's going to give all the guys a boost there. Civil service strollers, though, uh, they're a very good side and they've they've managed to re-sign a lot of their, their guys that helped them be successful last year. I think I'll peg this one down as a draw myself. The, for the season, I think strollers are going to be the stronger side and I think it's a, it'd be tough to argue against that. But I think there's going to be a bit of momentum going into this and the fact that they're travelling down from Edinburgh all the way down to Gretna is going to play a part. 
um, a part in this and the fact that, like you say, Chris is going to go out there. He's, I think he's going to do a really good job in motivating his guys. They've had a really good pre-season. You know, that, that big game against Motherwell that they had, I think, is going to have, have helped them a lot. I've not heard as much for Strollers. I know they've played a few games, but I think uh, I think I'd, I'd, yeah, I think yeah a draw would be a fair result for both squads in the opening weekend. And I'm quite happy to sit with you on that fence as well, I think, to be honest, until we get a better idea of exactly who these teams are going to be this year. Um, yeah, I can't really call that one either way. If there was a slight preference, I'd maybe edge towards the Strollers, but we'll, uh, we'll see. And um, not far away, um, Netherdale, Gallifrey Dean Rovers, another new gaffer, um, and Neil Hastings, his first match, and they're facing off against Cumbernauld Colts, who have been pretty quiet over the summer. They've done things just their own their own th- way, kind of under the radar. They've kept a lot of their squad together. They've lost, obviously, Sean Brown being the big one. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes as well. No, absolutely. I think these are two teams that I'm a bit worried for them in terms of I think they could digress a little bit this season um, the league got stronger everything that's happened at, at Gala I think is going to you know, cause them they, they finished higher than than I think they expected last season I think they, moving backwards might have happened naturally um, but with everything that's happened I, I can see that happening this season and then Cumbernauld Colts were sort of sitting in that second tier of teams last season but I think that even tier one, tier two, has got so much busier over the the preseason that that they're possibly going to have to take a a step back because just because the league's got so so much stronger. However, in this game, I think I'd give Colts the edge because I still think they're going they're going to be the stronger of the two sides as the season goes on. But I wouldn't be surprised if either Gallery go out and win it, or if Gallery go out there and win it comfortably with you know, banging in a few goals. I think it, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I would pick Colts for this one, I think. Yeah, it's always a tough place to go, right enough, Netherdale, but ultimately I think Colts have had a pretty pretty kind of comfortable, pretty quiet pre-season. Gala's had anything but. So purely based on that, you'd maybe give the edge to Colts. Um, it, it's always preferable to have a, a less eventful summertime, I think, especially when... There's a, been a change of manager and a, a kind of total change of squad and so on as well. But uh, there's only a couple of games other than that. We have University of Stirling hosting the Spartans, who again are a team that some people are beginning to earmark as in danger of dropping down the, the table um, as a result of what teams around them have been doing. University of Stirling, Chris Geddes, they are where they are, same as every year. Um, they've I had to replace a couple of boys that have left, but they're used to doing that. Um, how do you think that one's going to play out? I think uh, I think Spartans should be the stronger side still. They, they've definitely been a bit quieter, but I think what Dewey does there, um, he, he does every year, and he manages to just, you know, technically speaking, the way that the, the players play um, at Ainsley Park is, is second to none. They're very structured and disciplined in what they do, and I think it allows them to not have to make the big signings. If they could make those big signings that some other guys have made, they perhaps uh, they perhaps would be viewed as favourites. But they're definitely a quieter side, and they've lost. You know, they've lost Dish to uh, Shire. I still think they're going to do well this season. It's hard to write them off because they are just 
they're not one person, they're a team that, that don't rely on one or two players and they seem to do that every year. University Sterling, I think, you know, Chris is he's a brilliant manager and he, he did a fantastic job last year, but they've lost some of their big names this year. And until I can see them churn out a few things, which might not happen until the uni season starts, I'm going to have to edge, not, not even edge, I think Spartans should be able to, even though they're going to Stalin, I think they should be able to do something and do something, you know, comfortably there because they're just the stronger side, I feel. Yeah, I think Spartans, you've got to give the preference to. Um, just purely on the basis that, as you say, they've got a stronger squad um, on paper. They've also got a fantastic manager in Dougie. And unlike last season, where Dougie wasn't around and obviously had his kind of a health scare and so on, he's had a full pre-season with these guys to get them ready and the way he wants them to play, which I think will very much go in their favour. So I'd be very surprised if they didn't win that game, to be honest. Um, but we're going to round it off with a game that raised eyebrows last year. Kelty Hearts, New Central Park, hosting Dalbeatty Star. And famously last time round, Dalbeatty managed to get a point and then were quite vocal about how they'd been underestimated and there's a few things said about money and so on. So, repeat performance? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's, it's a bit of a disadvantage for Dalbeatty because I think it's still going to be fresh in the mind of Kelty what happened last season and that they didn't make the start that you know they perhaps wanted to make. And, you know, Dalbeatty had a tough gig when they came up here for the opener last season. And I do, I believe they were able to surprise Kelly. I don't think they're going to have that this season. So it's, I think it's, yeah, I feel a bit bad for Dalbeatty and their first game is going to be at New Central Park. And maybe I'm writing them off too early and I'll need to eat my hat next week. But I think, yeah, I think Kelly are going to win it, win it comfortably because, you know, they said it last season where, you know, Kelly said, that they were out to to finish sort of top four. Um, this season, they've said that they're out to win it and they've set themselves up to do that and teams like Dalbeatty, those games they need to win, that's what your East Kilbrides and BSCs did last year that Kelty perhaps didn't. They they had draws against Dalbeatty and Edinburgh University and they can't afford to do that this season and this will be a big statement. I think it, it would be a big kick in the teeth for Kelly if they were to lose this game and that's not taking anything away from Dalbeatty because I've already said I think they're going to have a really good season but it's a bit unfair because it's going to be fresh in the mind of Kelly that they can't take Dalbeatty for, for granted and I think that'll play out The easiest way I can sum this up is, is if Kelty have got any designs with the investment they've made on winning this league and getting promoted this is the kind of game that they cannot afford to not get three points from um, We've seen how relentless Kilby are and they've if anything improved over the summer Shire with the investment they've made BSC runners up last season have kept the same squad together and added some interesting faces if Kelty can't win that as an opening day fixture coming off such an impressive performance um, at the weekend against Beath there big questions will start to get asked already I think so I would take Kelty to win that one and reasonably handily I think as well but uh, yeah, so that takes us through all the games in week one. Bear in mind, anyone listening, you've still got time to enter our competition to win tickets for BSC versus East Stollinger, our game of the week. What you need to do 
to win those is go to either our Twitter account where you'll find the details in terms of likes and retweets and how to get involved. Uh, on Facebook, how do you do it, Sean? On Facebook, it's uh, simple. We're looking for you to share the post to get it out there so other people have an opportunity to win to make sure you do like the page and just give us a wee comment let us know what you think the score's going to be at the moment it's quite heavily big Shire wins a lot of Shire fans on Facebook we like to be underdogs (laughs) (laughs) but um, I will do the draw Thursday night Um, some of you know that I do live streams on Twitch generally for kind of the football manager PC game but I'll do the draw live as well and we will announce it on Twitter either Thursday night or Friday morning get in touch and get you Oh dear, your free entry tickets, basically. So we'll go from there. And without further ado, I think that's us rounded off everything. Today we had a obviously we had a chat about the, the new managers and how we thought they, they would fare. That was actually sort of a question that had came in into us from one of the listeners, and it's something we're gonna to look to do a bit more this season. If it's something you think you'd like to hear us discuss on the the podcast, we're looking for you just to drop us a tweet or a message on Facebook. Or even if you catch us at one of the games, just to mention it. And we're going to try and cover off one or two topics every week. Um, we'll still do our reviews of all the games and preview the, the upcoming games. But we're looking to add a little bit something else. And then we'll be getting back to interviews with the players and managers as well as the, the season progresses. But something a wee bit extra. That was one that came in from a, a listener. And it's something yeah we, we'd like to, to carry on so if you do have any ideas about topics you'd like to hear us discuss just drop any of us a, a note definitely and on twitter it's at official catch up just so you've got that and facebook you'll find us the same way official catch up um just get in touch anytime you like and um, we tend to record on a sunday so as long as you're in touch by then we'll get it get it mentioned uh, anything else you want to bring up just before we finish off no i think that's that's everything for me just um Roll on, uh, roll on Saturday, and good luck to to everybody that's playing and, and watching the the Lowland League for the the upcoming season. Yeah, best of luck to everyone. Um, be a fan, a player, a manager involved with a club, whoever you are. Let's have another brilliant season. The league continues to make steps forward every year, and I've no doubt the same thing's going to happen this time round. Right. So, in terms of plugs and so on, where can people find you on various social media, Sean? On Twitter, I'm a bit quieter I think than yourself and Chris but <laughs> you can still find me on there, it says at Sped and Sean and I'll continue to take care of the, the official catch up on Facebook so if you have a look for us on there I'll be trying to post things throughout the week. Perfect and as usual just at Moza Plays on Twitter for myself you'll find pretty much everything through that and that brings us to the end of the week one preview edition of the official catch-up. We have survived a summer, thankfully. We're nearly there. And personally, I'm sure Sean will agree, we just can't wait for it to get going now. So thank you very much for listening in over the summertime, if you have done. If you're new to it, especially from be it Bonnie Rig or Berwick, welcome in. Uh, we will be going weekly from now on, rounding up all the games every week, um, kind of thoughts on the stories around the league as they go, um, anything else that comes up including all the cup competitions as well uh, as and when our side enter the big Scottish Cup all that kind of thing but until next week enjoy yourselves and good luck in the season to come catch you later on have a good week <laughs>